0: All right, week two is here of the Colts Head Coaching Search. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is across the way. We're down to eight teams left in the divisional round. Coming up this weekend, and we got a lot to get to on today's podcast. It'll be heavily focused on the Colts Head Coaching Search, one that I think a week-plus in I totally understand and am very content with the approach that Chris Ballard is taking. I think it's a wise, wise approach. And uh, we'll touch on all 10, I guess 11 if you count Jeff Saturday candidates so far. Um, some intriguing names on the list of guys that you've, I think, heard me talk about and then others that you know I've started to grow a little bit more intrigue into. So we look forward to that on what I think will be a quiet-ish week for the Colts. I think week two of the head coaching search will be a little quieter. I'll explain a little bit more here in a few minutes. Eddie, good Tuesday morning to you.
1: Uh, you as well. Hope you had a great weekend.
0: Pretty good football, right? Yeah. I, I know yeah. Monday was a dud. Um, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for the Dallas Cowboys. They have a lot of local connections and, like, yeah. you know, Indy Colts connections. So Xavier, a, Xavier Rhodes and our guy, T.Y. A ton. Matt Overton. Oh, yeah. Um, Lee Cooker. Jonathan Hankins. Um, you know, Zach Martin. Someone went to the same high school my wife did. A lot of... Mutual friends, so...
1: Notre Dame uh, graduate?
0: Notre Dame grad, of course. I'm surprised you
1: didn't throw that out there.
0: I know. You know, I decided... uh, I'm trying to be a new me here in 2020. Oh, okay. Um, I am not at all, but yeah, that sounded good when it popped into my head. Uh, But, obviously, Saturday night and then Sunday's three games were outstanding. You know, I think when you watch those games, you're reminded of some things, Eddie. First off, I'm thinking to myself, wait, Miami's doing this with Skylar Thompson? San Francisco doing this with Brock Purdy. Baltimore's doing that with Tyler Huntley. And I had to watch the Colts and their quarterback situation play out like it did this season. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is, and the head coaching search plays into it. You are reminded of just whether it's time management, whether it's getting those quarterbacks ready to play. And in Skyler Thompson's case, I mean, wild that you know seventh round rookie had played so little. You know, helps the Miami team score thirty one points against who a lot of people would assume is the Super Bowl favorite. Um, and then, like, in Daniel Jones' case, and obviously there are a couple Giants candidates on the list we're about to go over, holy hell, man, coaching's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, coaching is a big, big deal. So um, I think I mentioned this a little bit on last week's pod, but the further you get removed from the season, this is an opportunity of hope for the Colts. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what happens in late April, we'll get into C.J. Stroud a little bit later in the pod as well, um, We'll play a lot more into that, but you know we can finally, I think, start to close the door a bit on last season, and now you can start the new era. And, of course, the hire will be huge in in seeing the type of path the Colts end up uh, going down. But those are just some thoughts I've had over the last couple of weeks. Before we get into each candidate, um, I do want to kind of go over Chris Boward's approach so far. Again, ten names have been thrown out there, seven interviews – if you look at the ten names, Eddie, five from defensive backgrounds, four offensive, and of course Bubba Ventrone being the special teams. I get Jeff Saturday's kind of on an island by himself, so I don't know if he necessarily falls into any of those three specific units. Only one with head coaching experience, and Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, all coordinators, so no position coaches, no college coaches. I'm curious if and when we'll get the surprise interview. You know, I guess. Does Wink Martindale qualify as that? Maybe this is the only team I think he's been reported. To me, that one did. Okay, so maybe he would, but again, I mean, he's been a coordinator for, what, six, seven years in the NFL? Um, Maybe it was only four with Baltimore, so I guess maybe only five years in the NFL, but nonetheless, we haven't had the Matt Rule-Baylor interview from 2018 yet. You know, we haven't had that one, so Luke Fickle was always the name in college. I thought, you know, Ballard really likes him, but Obviously, contractually, financially, that's a big hurdle with him now at Wisconsin. But um, as I said earlier, I expect kind of a quietish second week, and for a couple of reasons. You know, last week you were able to interview all of those coaches that weren't on playoff teams. You could interview the by team candidates, Eric Bieniemy and Shane Steichen, and now we see three new names enter the mix: Mike, Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale from the Giants, and then D'Amico Ryans from the Forty ers it seems like all three of them either are not getting interviewed this week or in Ryan's case, I believe he slotted Texans-Broncos into the end of the week. I think Kyle Shanahan mentioned that at his Monday presser. And so the Colts right now are not in the early interview mm-hmm. um, schedule for D'Amico Ryan, do who you weigh, is very sought after.
1: Do you weigh when they interview with Teams at all. Like where does that weigh in terms of your you think their interest is is becoming a head coach with a specific team? Like like you said with Ryan's, he's not obviously on the Colts radar this week. Right. So does that factor in at all, do you think, in terms
0: of where he could see himself up? It's a really good question. I don't think it's the same for every single candidate and every single team. I think a lot of it is logistics, but in Ryan's case, he is arguably the most sought after candidate in this coaching cycle. He obviously has ties to Houston, more so than Sean Payton. Uh, yeah. Pro. Well, I would say the only counter to Payton is you got to be willing to give up something. Yeah. You know. So th- that would be the one counter. But yeah, I mean, Payton. I, I. Yeah, that is probably the one that you would put above him. Um, but you look at Ryan's case. You know, he puts Houston in Denver. Again, he has connections to Houston as a player. Is Denver the most coveted job of all the openings? financially a lot of people love obviously their ownership group and how much money's there so maybe that's how you would view it like you know maybe Ryan's has the Colts kind of third on his interest list initially that can change a whole lot of course as things play out but i do think it's a good question um, you know guys like Aaron Glenn and Week Martindale that maybe don't have a ton of openings and a ton of interest they might be like, oh Colts I can do whatever. <laughs> you know, tell me when. Yeah. I'll be there. My Zoom is wide open. Uh all of those things. So
1: That's another part of it that I'm always interested in too. Like, do these guys fly in? Do they Jim say Chris Ballard fly to them? Do they do yeah. it over Zoom? It's like
0: I think if you're still in the playoffs, you gotta do everything virtual. Yeah. You'd be way too much to be like, you know, D'Amico Ryan's get on a plane and go to Houston and then fly back for the game. On Sunday. That's just a lot. Fly to Denver. Yeah. yeah. Sean Payton, I know, has mentioned he was going to meet with Mike Tepper. Mike Tepper, former Colts offensive lineman. He's a character. Dave Tepper. In, in New York. In New York. Um, Panthers owner Dave Tepper, for those that don't know. so, um, I guess lastly, before we get into candidates, Eddie, naturally, as human beings, we are impatient. Yes. And we want to hear rumors. We want to hear names. We want to hear favorites. Chris Ballard wants that place to be a steel trap. He does not want any intel getting out whatsoever. Indeed. I am totally content with the approach he's taken so far. And he even said in that press conference. Right. Offered a warning definitely to us. In February. I think it's the month he threw out there. Right. And even maybe deep into February. Yeah. Um, The Colts were a bad football team this past season. Bad enough to where they fired their head coach midseason. It's not apples to apples, but I look at the ability to conduct a head coaching search, Eddie, similar to when a college football team makes a bowl. When you make a bowl game, what do you get? 10 extra practices? 15 extra practices? Yeah. That is an awesome opportunity that not every team gets in college football, and you need to take advantage of it. Well, the Colts, they were bad. They have been granted, and some of this by their own doing, of course, the opportunity to interview head coaching candidates don't rush that process. Don't half-ass it. Jeff Saturday is always going to be there. Is Jeff Saturday interviewing any of these openings? Nope. Take your time. Exactly what Chris Bower's is doing. And at the very least, Eddie, I would just do it to gather intel. Yes. Like, why are you so? Su- why are the New York Giants so successful? Why do they make this turnaround this season? Even if you're not going to hire that candidate, even if you don't view them as a definite favorite. You want to use this as a. I need to gather information, positively, negatively. Information on coaches, players, the league, help people, the league, owners, organization, everything you can get your hands on, you try to. I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast. Another thing to keep in mind you can interview some of these candidates and they can be potential coordinators for you as well. This is not just a head coach interview process. A Gio. Averro. Averro in Denver? Might not be back there. Um, you look at the situation with Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City, if you hire a defensive coach, would Bieniemy be an OC here and potentially run the whole show Yeah, there's a he bit of it. gets out of the Andy Reid cloud? Maybe he feels like he needs to do that to become a head coach in the NFL.
1: There's some reportings of him um, interviewing with Tennessee too, right?
0: Uh, I think, I, yeah, now that you say that, I think I did see that as a as a potential oc of course opening there and again mike Frable you know more the ceo probably more of a defensive guy if anything he would let you know biennemi do his thing offensively so i think those are all things to keep in mind get intel more than anything obviously you're trying to hire a head coach but that to me is really really important uh, lastly before we get into each candidate the playoffs oftentimes, Eddie, let you know what wins in the NFL. What's the new trend? hmm I would say something that stands out to me, certainly. Uh, we don't have a single quarterback left over the age of 29. Jalen Hurts, or excuse me, Dak Prescott's the oldest at 29, Mahomes at 27. When's the last time we had a final eight with not a single 30 or older quarterback? I don't know. I mean, I'd be willing to go back decades you know, even last year, obviously Brady's the one that a lot of people would think of, but like Ryan Tannehill was over 30, like you, yeah. you, I mean Stafford of course over 30. I mean, you usually always have at least one. So, that is one trend. In relation to the head coaching aspect to it right now, 7 of the final 8 come from offensive backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You want to go back one year? 6 of the final 8 came from offensive backgrounds. The outlier would be Sean McDermott Sean McDermott with the Bills. And then, of course, last year you also had Mike Vrabel and the Titans. So I'm not, like, offensive coach or bust. I'd I, I probably side on that side of the ball. I think I've expressed those reasons why. Uh, but I think that's just something to keep in mind. And if you look at the candidate list right now, you do see five on the defensive side of the ball of the 10. Four I would qualify as primary offensive coaches. But uh, just some thoughts to keep in mind as this head coaching search plays out. I think the only way we see the Colts get into a quicker process is if all of a sudden a favorite stands out and that favorite is coveted by another team. Yeah. I think that would be the only way. Now, do we see some second interviews this week? Maybe we do. You know, maybe they hey, you know, kinda got a slow Wednesday or Thursday. You know, Raheem Morris, you want to fly here to Indy and we can do something in person. Maybe you start to see some of those. But again, I'm not expecting a Busy, busy week for the Colts on the interview front.
1: Just going back to where we started the pod in terms of the playoff football, you look at Jacksonville and you look at Doug Peterson. That interview right before the half, you would have thought they were only down like a field goal. (laughs) Next thing you know, they come out in the second half, they score three touchdowns and a field goal to win it. And the creative play call on fourth down... My goodness! Yeah, full what house a time house to pull that. Way to pull that out of your hat!
0: Yeah, full house backfield, etn. I thought etn did a great job of just kind of knowing his strength, getting to the outside there. Of course, it was a Samuel. I, I forget who the corner was for the Chargers that yep. you know, kind of crashed hard on that. One thing I'll point out about the Jags before we get into it, you know, when they walked in there in year two, Doug Peterson, of course, they realized that Travis, Travis Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was in a pretty fragile situation and I think you could use the word fragile for really any young quarterback yep you know there are breaking points within that rookie contract where if you don't get it right you might never get back into that talent that that guy has and they made three moves in free agency Eddie that I don't think anyone that is a financial wizard would have agreed with but Jones Kirk and Ingram. Correct. Yeah, Christian Jones. Zay, or excuse me, God. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. I just can't say names first and last today. Thank you. Um, and then the trade deadline, they get Calvin Ridley. Right, right. Um, but specifically for year two, you know, Chris Ballard probably lost sleep overnight at the contracts that Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram got. I think they all, under some degree, Eddie would qualify as B type of players getting close to A money. But you know what? Jacksonville said we need to do something to give our quarterback some veteran experience at those pass catching spots. And I found it very fitting on Sunday night or on Saturday night as they come back. All three of them, at least seven catches. All three of them, I think at least 70 yards in the game. All three of them scored a touchdown. And Trevor Lawrence has had a season to where he has to feel confident going into year three versus how he felt exiting year one. It's a reminder of what free agency can do. And as the Colts, the Colts didn't get support from their quarterbacks. I want to make that clear. They didn't support their quarterback either. Negative. Quarterbacks. You went through March and even early April and didn't make anything happen on the offensive side of the ball. Free agency is not the end-all be-all. It's not how you build, but it's how you support. And Jacksonville supported. And I think that's a key, key reminder, especially with the Colts getting into the rookie contract. You know, I've said this before about Peyton Manning. Peyton probably would have been Peyton... In a lot of NFL stops, of course. But you know what really helped Peyton Manning? Marvin Harrison. The fact that he walked in there and had Marvin Harrison and Tariq Glenn. And And Edron James. The fact that in year two, they drafted Edron James. And the fact that Tom Moore never left. That is very, very important to stabilizing and supporting what you have. Because Peyton did throw an absurd amount of interceptions in his rookie season.
1: 22, right?
0: Yeah, for some reason, I thought it was even higher than that. Um, So, I think these are all things... To keep in mind uh, with the Colts and their current situation. So I know Twitter questions will touch a lot on the CJ Stroud Jim Harbaugh front was never a big like oh higher Harbaugh, he'll be in the ring of honor as a coach guy. So Twenty eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah, I thought it was a higher number there. Um, so we'll get into all that during Twitter questions. But Eddie, if you don't mind, let's go in order of let's go in order of the interview cycle for the Colts with uh, all these candidates. All right,
1: numero uno, special teams coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, Bubba Ventrone.
0: Yeah, you know, I wrote an article on Bubba. I think I started it kind of in December there and probably post, probably like late November, early December. Just, I think it's an important priority for the new head coach, the Colts, to retain Bubba Ventrone. I think it's smart to interview him. You know, special teams coordinators, they have such a great responsibility to know the entire roster. They touch both sides of the ball. They touch big dudes. They touch small dudes. Um, That probably didn't sound politically correct. (laughs) uh, Moving on from that in the most awkward state, maybe in the history of this podcast. uh, You know what I'm getting at. At least I hope you do. Um, Like a Zaire Franklin, a Kenny Moore. Make their early mark on special teams and rise into these strong defensive roles. Um, I think Bubba Ventrone is a very different personality than what the Colts have on their coaching staff as well. Um, So I I think for many of those reasons, Bubba Ventrone deserves a look. Um, So I'm glad to see that they interviewed him. You know, think about special teams coordinator, Eddie. Every single injury, every single decision has a domino effect to the special teams. You know, if Jonathan Taylor plays or not, directly impacts Parks-Frazier and Jeff Saturday on offense, but really has little impact to Gus Bradley. But it's got an impact above a Ventrone, because if Jonathan Taylor's not playing, that means more from Zach Moss, that means a little bit more from Dion Jackson. And does all of a sudden Park Frazier say, Man, I need an expanded role for this running back. Can we take him off special teams for mm-hmm. a few snaps this week? So you're very plugged in as a special teams coordinator, knowing the roster mechanics, knowing how that works, who's on your practice squad, who you trust, who you don't, all those things. So I was glad to see Bubba getting getting uh, get an interview.
1: Will, I'm interested to see if he will get an interview somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I don't. We haven't seen him. No. Right, pop up there. Um, which again, not too shocking to me, but. No matter what happens with Bubba, I think it'd be wise for the new coach to try and retain him.
1: Uh, Interview number two. This came last week. Egero Ivero, defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos.
0: Yeah, you know, this is a name that obviously is being interviewed several places. But, Eddie, he falls in the could he be a defensive coordinator candidate for you. Uh, People rave about his defensive knowledge, his defensive acumen. Ironically, he was born in the United Kingdom. I, I didn't realize that him and Nathaniel Hackett were college roommates. That was the connection they had there with the Broncos. I think that was some of the reason why Averro turned down the interim role late in the season. They went with Jerry Ross. Out of respect of, for his friend. Yeah, instead of Jero Averro. He um, has history offensively and defensively. Ironically enough, he coached offensively under Jim Harbaugh with the 49ers for a couple of seasons. Um, so you see that with him and Raheem Morris. you know, Both sides of the ball in the NFL, which is not the norm by any means, Uh, but Averro again, thought of extremely well on the defensive side of the ball. That's been the bright spot for Denver, uh, really the only one this season. I think with these defensive-minded coaches, Eddie, the question you have is what do they bring offensively? What would they bring offensively? In Averro's case and Morris, but let's focus on Averro for a second, he has coached under Sean McVay before Nathaniel Hackett. And I think it was there for a couple of seasons, if I'm not mistaken. DB coach there.
1: Yeah, he was a safeties coach in, from 17 to 20, and okay. then secondary and passing game coordinator in 21.
0: So right there, Eddie, that's five years on the same staff as Sean McVay.
1: And Ricky Morris.
0: Right. So if you want to learn a little bit about offensive football, Sean McVay, probably a good one to be on that staff. And I think that's what you got to look at. If you're going to make a hire here, would a Morris or an Averro bring a McVay disciple? Would... D'Amico Ryan to bring a Kyle Shanahan sort of disciple. If that's the case, that's a pretty good pipeline, I think, to try and tap into there. So, yeah, Vera was the first outside the building candidate. Uh, the third
1: candidate that was broken by Jim Irsay, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Eric Bieniemy.
0: Yeah, Bieniemy I guess, would qualify maybe as the one surprise-ish Um, I mean, he just seems to get interviews every year, though. Is this now 15 coaches? Or, excuse me, 15 teams? Yep. He's interviewed. It's an incredible amount since 2019. And it makes you, obviously, ask questions, Eddie, of why. I mean, there's off-the-field stuff that dates back, like, multiple decades now. I I can't think that 15 teams all would turn him down for the -the off-the-field stuff that happened. It's not good stuff by any means. But, again... That was a long, long time ago. Uh, Obviously, you have the Chris Ballard connection. He was the running backs coach there when Ballard was in the scouting department. You have the Andy Reid sort of respect. Um, You know, the question is, how much credit should he get for what they do, what they've done offensively?
1: Um, What is his day to day?
0: Yeah, you know, all of those things. You know, in the back of my mind, Eddie, I've thought this with the enemy. I don't get this vibe, but like. You know, at some point, could he take over for Andy Reid? They won it all this year and Andy Reid hangs it up? Is he viewed like that within the organization? Or is it Matt Nagy? Oh, boy. Somewhere I think Chiefs fans or Bears fans just had a little bit of a cringe. Uh, Fair point. Um,
1: But, I mean, he was the one that has been credited with all of my home success. Is Nagy not the enemy? Because... I mean, dating back to the pre-draft process, Nagy's the one that slipped in the playbook or or whatever prior to their interview. And so he could study it and impress Andy Reid
0: because of how much Matt Nagy liked Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I know there's a popular thought, I think popular, that like the enemy interviews poorly. You know, he's tried to debunk that and all of those things. So it's just quite the mystery to me that, again, this guy is 14, 15 different teams now and has not gotten – a head coach job. It doesn't even seem like he's been like deep into the finalist with many of those openings there. Um, so yeah, Bienamy became the first offensive coach to interview.
1: Uh, Raheem Morris, Rams defensive coordinator. He is number four.
0: Eddie, how old are you?
1: I'm 24.
0: Okay, I am 33. Um, I cannot imagine being an NFL coach at the age of 32, but that was the case for Raheem Morris in Tampa. Um, again, the only head coaching candidate on this list that has past experience there. Um, he is a guy that is very honest in saying I was in over my head. And really, Tampa they almost hired him, and then and then they were like, "We know you're not very qualified necessarily to do this, so we're going to hire your coordinators." And then he fired the OC in the preseason of his first year. Yeah, something <laughs> you never see. Um, you know, I talked with a coach yesterday, or I guess it would have been a few days ago now at this point, who's coached with Morris and has been around the league for a couple decades. And they say, he said that he has not been around the combination of great coach and great human like Raheem Morris. Um, You know, he's fresh off of coaching Jalen Ramsey. That's quite the personality. You hear Ramsey talk about him just gushing about Raheem Morris and the type of coach. That he is. You know, the Shanahan family, very big believers in Raheem Morris early on. Ironically, again, he coached offense with Kyle Shanahan. It was a wild story. Basically, Dan Quinn in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan as OC, they were looking for a receivers coach. And they had Raheem Morris. They wanted him to kind of vet some of that process. And within the process, Raheem Morris went, w- went back to them and was like, hey, I don't know if we should be looking totally at like, you know, big time wide receiver coaching experience. I think we should just look at who do we feel like can connect with that group. Obviously, it was a pretty talented wide out group. Oh, yep. In Atlanta. And so when Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan took that info and thought about it, they went back and they were like, why don't we just have Raheem Morris coach the receivers? So he coached on the offensive side of the ball for that group for a couple of seasons, and not um, not that long ago either. No, I mean this is you know Ryder. Right ar- yeah, he was the wide receiver coach sixteen to nineteen. Right, I was gonna say right around you know when they you know had the Super Bowl run, playoff runs, etc. And then Shanahan, of course, goes to San Francisco. His offensive background, I mean, Shanahan McVeigh tree. I mean, that's mm-hmm. again the sort of offensive background that you want. So players love his energy. Um You know, does he feel like he's ready for that second opportunity? And, you know, if you are a Raheem Morris fan, I would say the good news is Sean McVay's going back to the Rams, so that opening is not there. Uh, But Morris is an intriguing name for me. Again, I think you can learn a whole lot as a human being in a decade-plus time getting that experience. You know, he had a decent interim run with Atlanta. You know, nothing great, but wasn't horrific uh, when he was the coach there taking over for Dan Quinn, but... Yeah, Raheem Morris, the only one as of now with head coaching experience.
1: One of the high risers this year in terms of potential head coaching candidates at the age of 36. One of the best offenses in the National Football League this year, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson.
0: Uh, Eddie, I get some Brad Stevens vibes from Ben Johnson. A Brainiac. Brainiac, um, but yet has that ability to – and this is really difficult – Honestly, one of Maddie's former bosses, I always thought had just an unbelievable job of doing this. To like, you take an IQ test and you're gonna be in the 0.01 percentile, but then can you connect as a normal human being to people? Yeah. (laughs) Because you're in the 0.01 percentile. That that's for a reason. That means you're not going to be working around people in that percentile. Yeah. You're going to have to dumb it down. You're going to have to connect. You're going to have to be a normal human being. That's what I I get the feeling of like Mike
1: McDaniel a little bit
0: there. Sure, I could see that out of Mike McDaniel and I think Ben Johnson has some of that. Obviously the Dan Campbell connection speaks for itself. We know that Chris Powell interviewed Campbell in that 2018 second cycle once Josh McDaniel said no. You know, the Colts have several connections to Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn with the Lions. For one, that was the staff down at the Senior Bowl. That was one of the two staffs down at the Senior Bowl last year when the coordinators take on pretty much head coaching roles, bigger roles. So your scouting department gets to see those coaches up close. And then two, remember the Detroit Lions were here in Westfield this past year for the joint practices uh, at Grand Park. So you saw them up close for a couple days there. The appeal to any offensive coach, Eddie, is theoretically you don't have to worry about continuity on that side of the ball for the young quarterback for years to come. And that is the greatest strength you know, aspect, what should be, I think, most attractive by an offensive candidate. You know, Ben Johnson's background, which I think differs a little bit from the other offensive coaches that you see on this list, Eddie, he's kind of been all over the offense. You know, he was a tight ends coach for the Lions when he got the promotion as the interim OC last year,
1: he's been a tight ends coach in three different places: Boston College, Miami.
0: Miami, I was gonna say Dolphins, yeah. and Detroit. Um, yeah, was a double major at North Carolina, um, computer engineering and mathematics. I mean, why <laughs> yeah, oh. why, why are you coaching football? Oh, Ho hum on that one, right? Which again, it's got like Brad Stevens Lily vibes to it all. Um, you know, when you look at Johnson, I think the question you would have to have is this, Eddie. Fifteen months ago, Ben Johnson coached the Lions tight ends. Eddie, you are a huge Colts fan, and I don't do this to put you on the spot. Can you name the Colts tight ends coach this past season? Oh, no. Eddie, if you told me right now— Dallas Clark? <laughs> yeah, Ben Utech, Jacob Tammy. Um, if you told me to name—you know, I've covered the Colts now for a decade. Jack Doyle? <laughs> Alfredo Roberts, I think, was a tight ends coach at one point. Like, I would be hard pressed to name all the tight ends coaches that I've covered. He left. He went to Stanford, tennis. didn't he? The- uh, yeah, yes. the The current tight ends coach, Jason Michael, did leave and, and and went to Stanford. He's a he's a good dude. Um, Tom Manning, I'm thinking now was a tight ends coach and left and went to Iowa State. I think now he's at Cincinnati as the OC there. Uh, basically, what I'm getting at with all of this is. If you were to rank the coaches of notoriety, of importance, of responsibility, of public attention, the tight end coach probably is what? Seventh on the list? Probably, yeah. You know, you have your head coach, all your coordinators, then you probably go QB coach, maybe O-line coach, maybe there's a DB coach that stands out, you know, a long time D-line coach. The tight end coach is not very high on the, I want to read more about him in the program sort of feel to it. So what I'm getting at with that is he's going from tight end coach 15 months ago to now head coach of an NFL football team. Quite the jump. Quite the jump. Now you probably could throw Zach Taylor's resume at me and say, look at this. Or even Sean McVay's resume, which I think Sean McVay had some tight end background, if I'm not mistaken. So I get that there are certainly guys that have done it here recently, but I just think that's a reminder that you have to have with a guy like Ben Johnson, who seems to be pretty coveted, I, I think I saw uh, the the Panthers are uh, bringing him in for an in person interview this week.
1: Ben Johnson has worked with Zach Taylor too.
0: Yes, th- that is a good point. Uh, Miami, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so there is a little bit of background that extends to some different offensive minds. I think Adam Gase, which I know might yes. not ring a bell to a, or not, it rings a bell. I don't know if in a positive light. I bring that up because. There's some thought that Peyton Manning is a heavy Adam Gase endorser or was a heavy Adam Gase endorser. So is that from their time in Denver? Yeah. yeah, So is that just a couple phone calls away of, hey, Peyton, did Adam ever mention Ben Johnson? You know, just, you know, yeah, those things. So, Uh, but yeah, Ben Johnson, Friday night, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, The other coordinator, not on special teams for the Giants, not the Giants, the Lions. Aaron Glenn, he's 50 years old, their defensive coordinator this year He has received an interview with the Indianapolis Colts
0: You know, unlike Ben Johnson, third in offense I think in yards, fifth in scoring Aaron Glenn's defense is not going to stand out like that It's not like the Lions had some great defense
1: But it improved so drastically from week one to week 17
0: And I would argue, of course, not the same talent that they have offensively either Not that they have an abundance of talent offensively But I think they've got a little bit more Um, Again, Glenn, 50 years old as an ex-player that certainly stands out. Um, was with Dan Campbell in New Orleans, came over there. So, again, doesn't stand out a lot to me. He has interviewed several places, Jess, Broncos, Saints. Uh, but, yeah, Aaron Glenn on the list.
1: Uh, he played in the NFL, too, from
0: 94 to 2008. I was going to say, I think him and D'Amico Ryan's kind of fit more the ex-player sort of. Oh, yeah, I know that name.
1: Up next that the Colts have interviewed, and this is the only – name that we have left to go over in terms of that have been conducted. I'm sure as soon as we wrap up the pod and it gets published they'll announce that they have interviewed somebody like they did last week. Shane Steichen, Eagles offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, that is a um, name that when you look at the... Well, first off, I would think one thing that stands out to me, Eddie, is it's a Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni coaching tree. Yep. So, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Um that's something to keep in mind. You know his background is a Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Philip Rivers background. Sounds like him and Rivers are extremely close. So those are three different style quarterbacks, different age quarterbacks. Uh, so all all three of them kind of stand out in their own own way.
1: He's got that coaching experience, doesn't he, Philip Rivers? He does. Yes. Yeah. A
0: little high school action there. I, yeah. Totally.
1: Oh, I like, some uh, got some news.
0: I was like, where are you uh, where are you going with this?
1: Chargers just fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi.
0: Frank Reich to the Chargers? Maybe. No? Maybe. Uh, so, again, we'll see what happens on the Steichen front. But I think you like – he seems to be the most quarterback-centric in multiple different styles and ages of QBs. There's another offense coach we'll get to. A little bit more specific there, but you know Sirianni clearly trusted him, gave him those play calling duties midway through last year, and has a lot of uh, a lot of success. So um, I think he had a brief, brief like maybe one year on the defensive side of the ball. So at least he kind of thinks from that mindset of okay, how do how does the defense want to counter that? Uh, I, I guess to mention on the Joe Lombardi front, I'd assume that means Brandon Saley's returning. I think there was a little bit of question after Saturday night how that would unfold. I think this can be viewed as Joe Lombardi's the scapegoat, and they'll go in a different direction offensively.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I thought they would get rid of Staley too.
0: Yeah, you know, typically we see one wild card head coach get the axe. It will be Todd Bowles. Yeah, that that's
1: was a good pretty point. Embarrassing
0: last night. So, um, as of now, and we didn't think it'd be a, a big number of teams, Eddie, in the head coaching search front. But as of now, we've got just these five.
1: All right, so those wrap up, or so that wraps up, I should say, the uh, interviews at the that the Colts have conducted. They have three interview requests out. Um, We'll start with the guy that we've already talked about who is the surprise candidate for me, uh, Don, a.k.a. Wink Martindale. He's approaching 60 years old the defensive coordinator of the Giants who was formerly with the Baltimore Ravens.
0: Eddie, we just had Chuck Pagano on earlier today on our morning show, and he's like, you guys will love Wink. I I said to Chuck, I go, he strikes me as a little Bruce Arians. And Chuck's like, oh, yeah. I was texting with someone in the Giants organization yesterday, and they're like, he is the freaking man. Juice guy, great teacher. He just looks like a fun dude. He's an ex truck driver, which I absolutely love. Oh, so you know he's got a personality. No, he's got a personality there. So Wink Martindale, um, you know, formerly with the Ravens, John Harbaugh's defensive coordinator. Sounds like a contract dispute there kind of led to him being on the open market. And Brian Dable clearly entrusted him with not a lot of prior connections, entrusted him to say, you run our defense here with the Giants. Um, Heavy blitzing background. He's the oldest uh, candidate so far at 59 years old. I think that is something to note as well. Um, Looks like the Colts are the only team interested as of now. But again, with Martindale and Mike Kafka, Eddie, the two Giants coordinators, they play Saturday night. And sounds like both guys will hold off on any interviews until that game is played. And uh, so we're gonna have to wait a little bit on that. But yeah, Martindale just seems like a fun dude. If, if, uh, if nothing else. He's been in the
1: NFL since 2004. He was a college coach from 1986 to 2003, including a stop at Notre Dame.
0: Look at that. I saw that yesterday. I love that.
1: And it's just listed as an assistant. Not sure what his role was, but uh, the second interview request that the Colts have out right now, Uh, We'll stick with the New York Football Giants, and that is Mike Kafka. I think he's the youngest coach, if I remember correctly, based off a quick glance.
0: Yeah, 35, uh uh-huh. Yep, offensive coordinator of the G-Men. Eddie, this one's intriguing to me. Um, Now, Mike Kafka, ring a bell for the diehard Big Ten fans that were degenerates betting on Northwestern football back in the day when (laughs) Kafka was their quarterback. You look at his ascension, he was the... QB, position coach for Patrick Mahomes, really for all of Mahomes' playing career in the NFL, 2018 to 2021. uh, Rose to passing game coordinator with Kansas City. Um, And similar to what Sirianni did with Shane Steichen, you know, what Brian Dable did with Mike Kafkin saying, I'm going to hire you and you're going to call plays, even though I'm the one with the offensive background. That's high praise. Eddie, I, I look at the Giants and I think, how the hell can they score? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If you literally said right now, Kevin, name me three New York Giant wide receivers or tight ends, I, there's no way I could do it. Some dude named Hodgins. I've got a great friend, Josh Hodgins. Some dude named Hodgins had over 100 yards. Yep. The other day. Bellinger as a tight end. Cody. Is it Cody's brother? I don't know, but uh, he's a rookie. I mean, like, what, they have no offensive talent at wide receiver or tight end.
1: I don't disrespect Darius Slayton.
0: They scored 31 points on Saturday or on Sunday, and I think Saquon only had nine carries. Like yes. they, they are very week to week. They evolve things. They've gotten Daniel Jones to not be a turnover machine, and then they've turned him into like more of a runner. You know, he's kind of doubled his rushing attempts. Uh, Sunday's game being a, a, a big focus on that. But this is this is a you know the the quarterback background, the offensive coordinator background, all of that. You, you really, really like. He played in the league for seven different teams, mostly as a practice squad guy. I think that is appealing. Um, and I just think in general, we look at the Giants, Eddie, and think that is not final eight in the NFL personnel. Like if you were to say the New York Giants have a top eight roster, I don't think people are saying that. Yet they're one of the final eight coaching Has something to do with it. So similar to Kafka, you'd have the same questions, just about age and and, and all of that and inexperience, but he is an intriguing one.
1: Uh, The Chargers also fired their passing game coordinator, Shane Day, to go with Joe Lombardi.
0: Retooling the whole offensive staff.
1: Yeah. Uh, Final candidate that the Colts currently have an interview request out for He's your favorite. He's a hot commodity. D'Amico Ryans, defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Yeah, again, um, you guys have heard me talk about Ryans a lot. I just love how San Francisco's operated. They've dealt with a lot of injuries, I think, over the years, and they still have found great success. I would say their defense has been the most consistent aspect to them over the last two years when Ryans has been there. Just sounds like just a great kind of calming force, but knows when to kind of ramp it up when need be. Um, For those with young children, you were texting me earlier today about this, Chip Kelly, uh, who that's how he got a start, I think, of the NFL as a coach. Played for Houston, played for Philly a little bit, and then joined, I think, defensive quality control with Chip. Uh, He called him Mufasa. Oh! The Lion King action there. Oh! And basically the thought process with that nickname was you just always feel calm when he's around, when he's in the room. Off the field, on the field, player, coach, there's that sort of presence About him I think there's a reason why he's so coveted He got kind of deep into the Minnesota talks last year And pulled his name out there Um, But I think there's a lot of appeal With D'Amico Ryans Again, under Kyle Shanahan So, you know, right now if you were to tell somebody Hey The Colts are going to get D'Amico Ryans A Shanahan disciple And then uh, trade for Trey Lance Would you sign up for that as your offseason?
1: Hmm Interesting right there
0: Maybe uh, best defense in the NFL in, in, in yards and points allowed. They certainly have some talent on that D-line, but still uh, linebacker and secondary. I don't think they're loaded, particularly secondary. I know they got Fred Warner.
1: And you look at what they did with that linebacker. Yeah, I, was about to say, I was about to say, look what he's done with that linebacking group since he became their, the linebacker coach in 2018. You have Fred Warner, Al Shai, Shai I I can't even say yeah, that.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I can picture his jersey.
1: Yeah, but they've got some dudes on that defense.
0: Now, you brought this point up earlier, Eddie. Broncos on Thursday, Texans on Friday, it sounds like. Colts and Cardinals, he's pushing off. If they continue to win, fitting in these interviews, does he view the Colts' as mutual interest there? He has a resume, and a, he's created a brand you know, for himself that he can say no to some opportunity. So that is something that you need to keep in mind. So that covers everybody. Again, Jeff Saturday would be the other name on that list. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of interviews this week. We'll see about Leslie Frazier, Dan Quinn. The Bengals coordinators, Kellen Moore, any of those guys get into the mix. I know we're up against it a little bit because I got a meeting to run to. Eddie, let's do about 15 minutes worth of Twitter questions.
1: Hey, KB, wondering when you think the Colts will hire their head coach? Also, who do you think the lead candidate is right now? Thanks, brother. From Steven.
0: Again, we aren't even to second interviews yet, so I know everybody wants to. Who's a favorite? Who's a favorite? You know, I, I.
1: I don't think there is a favorite.
0: Yeah, you know, I. I I get the impression that the guys that you would probably think that they like, guys like Ryan's, the offensive minds of a Johnson, Gil Kafka's interesting, Raheem Morris, certainly. Um, you know, I was told this is before, honestly, Ryan's name came out last week that there's a lot of interest in D'Amico Ryan's from the Colts. Again, that's probably to be expected, but it's probably worth noting that. Um, and I, you could make the argument, Eddie, that they haven't even interviewed the "quote unquote" best guys. If you right. throw Ryan's, throw some of these Giants guys, we'll see if any more divisional round team coordinators get into the mix. But again, early February, mid February, like there's no need to rush. No need to rush unless all of a sudden it looks like you've got a favorite and it's kind of a one on one battle for him. Uh,
1: a name to watch for, as I look it up now, because I think he got some. I think he got an interview or two last year. Uh Lou Anamurumo.
0: Yeah, DC for the Bengals?
1: Yes. Just what he's done with that Cincinnati defense last couple of years, I think he'll get some interest here, uh, depending on how their postseason run goes. Uh, Tristan sent this question in uh, before C.J. Stroud declared for the NFL draft yesterday, which sounded like a very tough decision on C.J. Stroud's part. His question, if C.J. Stroud doesn't declare for the draft and Bryce Young is locked in for the number 1 pick, in that scenario, if I'm the Colt, I trade back. I think the Texans will take Will Levis, with the second round, uh, second overall pick, we can always add an additional pick, move back, and then take Anthony Richardson. I know he'd be more of a project, but with his speed and strong arm, the potential is definitely there.
0: Yeah, I wanted to kind of focus on the C.J. Stroud news right here, Eddie. And like you said, he is entering the NFL draft. It was so important for him to enter, I think, from a cult standpoint. Obviously, the Colts could have an interest in him and he could be their new franchise quarterback. And, like, for those reasons, they're obvious. But, Eddie, I think it's important to just get another quality quarterback into this cycle to where Chicago's pick is not even rare. I mean, it's it's, it's already rare because his number one overall pick. But in
1: the upper quartile the upper quartile.
0: Thank you. Rare, Rare. Yes. Uh, thank you, Coach Ursay. Uh, If it was just Bryce Young and that was viewed as the only quarterback on Tier 1, Chicago can Kings ransom that pick even more Yes, how it's viewed. So now it creates another quarterback seemingly in that mix, lessens that asking price probably a little bit more. Obviously, if you're going to slot quarterback-needy teams with quarterbacks, CJ Stroud is going to take one of those quarterback-needy teams off the board. So that helps you out there. So I think for multiple reasons, that's why you wanted to see this because... Now, Eddie, and again, we'll debate these candidates much, much more as we get closer to April. But basically, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. The likelihood of them going one, two, three, probably not like
1: That's what I was about to say.
0: Very, very likely. If there's a quarterback they like. But if you were to take Stroud out of that group and if you would have said, What are the chances of like look at the Vegas odds right now, and I have no idea what they are. But look at the Vegas odds, Eddie. If you were to say quarterbacks go one, two, three, or two quarterbacks go in the first three picks, two quarterbacks in the first three picks, that's probably got to be higher than 50 50 right now. If you were to say one, two, three is going to be quarterback, that's a lot less on the odds there. So basically, the Colts should get one of those threes if they stay padded four. Again, you guys have heard me. I think I'm a believer in go ahead and trade up for that. But. Um, the
1: specifics have not been released on that odds yet. Yeah, but that's, a,
0: that's a little bit degenerate-y. but
1: I mean, those will come though. I know they will. I usually bet them when the draft comes around. Uh, I there know has that been, been about you. <laughs> there's been a some slight line movement. Bryce Young last week was minus one ten to go first. Now he's minus one twenty five, and Stroud went from I think about plus two hundred to plus plus one seventy. Uh, so it seems like Vegas is on train with everyone else thinking that Chicago will trade out of number one. Andy is up next. He's got a little bit of a longer question here. KB, uh, he says, "Hey Kevin, Colts to be Colts seem to be interviewing two types of head coaches, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Detroit approach the great leader with diverse slash extensive experience who takes a swing on young innovative first time offensive coordinator uh, like Raheem Morris, De, uh, D'Amico Ryan's, or a Bubba Entrohm." Uh, as a head coaching example. Uh, The L.A. Rams approach. Send the innovative offensive guru straight to the top and fill in the rest of the staff. See Mike Kafka, Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson. I firmly hoping for the Detroit approach. All three mentioned above would be great, but it seems like a big gamble. Hoping to hit a home run on that new offensive coordinator swing seemed like frank Reich always had too much on his plate and i'd love to see an oc with more control lots of options for colts nation but this is still my favorite listen of the week thanks for all the great content
0: that means a lot andy i really appreciate that there is tons of great colts content so um, i appreciate you tuning into this one Uh, that's a really good way to describe it and how he lays out the lions and the rams there and Eddie, you can probably look at it one of two ways. All right. What's the biggest con with the offensive hire? The coach doesn't oversee the whole team. He's yes. too indebted with that side of the ball. Kind of, kind of the biggest Frank Reich, you know, question of do you are you still a head coach and not just a offensive coordinator play caller? Vice versa, the biggest con with the defensive coach. Do you have offensive continuity if and when that offensive coordinator? moves on to another gig. That would be the question that you would have there. Um, you know, you got to go back to what's left in the playoffs, man. Seven of eight on that offensive side of the ball. Six of eight last year. So um, I can hear both sides of it. And, and as I said earlier, I'm not this person that's got to be on offense. But I think that is the side of the ball that I favor a little bit more. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jim Trotter, a longtime NFL writer, tweeted yesterday that he's heard that Candidates are not only being asked who their O.C. is, but who their O.C. would be if that O.C. moved on. Mm. It's gotten to that point in the NFL where it's so coveted. What's your backup plan? Because you want to maintain continuity. You want to maintain systems. Um, And I guess that was kind of a question that I had about Harbaugh's. What do you hear about Jim Harbaugh? Where's people out after a couple years? This cult situation, Eddie, is not a one- or two-year thing. You're going to be growing with a quarterback for, you know, five, ten years. If Jim Harbaugh is going to wear that quarterback out after four years, that's a yeah. big question that I had with Harbaugh. Um, so that's why I'm not, like, losing too much sleep over that one.
1: I know you have to run to a meeting. Is there a specific question you'd like to get to in conclusion here?
0: Um, Go ahead and throw Evans at me.
1: Hey, Kevin, I don't see enough Colts fans on the pod talking about Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and head coach here in Indianapolis. Seeing what he did with Jared Goff this year and making him look like the answer in Detroit right now, imagine what he could do with a guy like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young for the next 7 to 10 years. Thanks as always.
0: Let's go with uh, Thomas's after that one as well, Eddie. Okay, um, so Evan was asking about Ben Johnson. Yes, again, one year of that, one year plus of that serious NFL re- responsibility, that is the concern. And I guess what you have to think about with the offensive coach is what what flavor do you want? You know, Mike Kafka's got more of the quarterback centric background. Shane Steichen a little bit more of the quarterback centric background. Ben Johnson doesn't have that. Good thing, bad thing little bit more offensive all over do you want a little bit more quarterback related do you not you know these are all the questions that you have to ask again I get Brad Stevens vibes which is a big compliment for those that are not really familiar I guess the Brad Stevens aren't as maybe locally centric as we are but um, he's a guy that took a corporate job in a major pharmaceutical company here in Indianapolis and then said screw it I'm gonna go be a coach and move his way up through Butler and everything and Ben Johnson kind of has a little bit of that resume there. So Johnson is intriguing to me, but I Kafka of the offensive coaches, Eddie, that's the one that I'm. He's your high riser. Yeah. He's one that I I didn't, I should have given more credit to
1: before this. Uh, Thomas in conclusion here. It's interesting. We haven't heard about Jim Harbaugh interviewing. Do you think possibly Jim Ursay alone? Uh, do you think possibly Ursay alone is or has had backroom conversations with Harbaugh, seeing if, uh, seeing as they may be discussing aspects of the prospective job offer that might cut into Ballard's duties or a job altogether?
0: Yeah, we'll end with this. And again, we got a lot of Twitter questions we can throw on next week's pod. But Eddie, I think it's a good point that Thomas brings up. You know, I can't see Chris Bauer being like, Man, we really need to get Jim Harbaugh in here. Oh, yeah, he wants, he wants personnel control? Yeah, let's interview him. You know? So I always found it odd. And odd is a way to describe Jim Harbaugh, to be honest with you. I mean, hell, look at these statements that he keeps on releasing. I felt like from day one, so much of it was contract agent-driven. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so... And if you look at his contract in, in college football, Eddie, it's not... You know, Mel Tucker makes more money. Than him. It's not like he's got this massive, massive contract there. I mentioned the whole kind of wearing you out. Yes, his NFL resume, darn impressive. That was also nearly a decade ago for the 49ers. So I don't think it just would have been an automatic slam dunk. I, I will say this about kind of coaching traits and remembering having that CEO style of a coach. You know, Brian Dable and Nick Sirianni, they come from offensive backgrounds. But Eddie, they've both given up play calling duties as
1: has like Mike McCarthy
0: yeah yeah over 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 time yeah um and I think what I'm reminded of I'm reminded of a moment in the college football semifinal game between Georgia and Ohio State when Ohio State faked that punt in the fourth quarter and Kirby Smart had a timeout that he got in just before that ball was snapped if that is an offensive coach an offensive minded head coach is he standing next to his quarterback on the sideline and they're going over the play sheet for the next series and he's not locked in to what the look looks like from the punt unit on the fourth down and he doesn't get that timeout in? You don't see it as much in college football, but you see it a lot in the NFL. I mentioned earlier, time management, all those things we saw in the wild card round of the playoffs. Coaching matters. And having that head coach that is not the play caller on either side of the ball – can be extremely locked into what's going on every single snap, even on special teams, I think is vital. And so I think that is an avenue that I want to see the Colts go down with this higher.
1: After the first week in the playoffs, who do you have winning the Super Bowl?
0: Ooh, man. Again, I got a little soft spot for, for Dallas. I'm going to go with, though, um, let's go with Buffalo beats Dallas in the Super
1: Bowl. Oh, that'd be good.
0: That rematch is something we saw in the 90s, I feel like. Uh, anything you got? Who, who you got?
1: Uh, I was going to say Buffalo. or Kent, I keep going back and forth between Buffalo and Kansas I just Kansas heard a lot City. of teams there. I'm going to go Kansas City, San Francisco, and San Francisco pulls it out.
0: Pretty, pretty just a couple shaky moments there. I mean, Seattle had a lead in the third quarter before they got away. Dallas on a short week, though. Then Brett Maher. Oh, geez. Um, all right. I got to run. We'll talk to you next week.